Nice fellas, we haven't done one of these live for a while, but as it's the biggest game of the season, it felt the right thing to do. Let's get into it. Let's preview the Super Bowl. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. Yeah, we've been building towards it, haven't we? The longest ever NFL season. Nearly, nearly done, fellas. One game left, though. I'm getting excited about it, and we're going to break it all down throughout the course of the next hour or so. We've got a few guests lined up, fellow members of the Full 10 Yards family. But the regulars are here to start us off this evening. Josh, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yeah, he couldn't kick us off straight away, even though we've got nothing to do with the uh, with the old Super Bowl. So uh, glad to gl- glad to be doing something this Super Bowl week. Um, and apart from that, yeah, all good. I think that this season's been so long. We've said that for so yeah, so many times, haven't we? And it's finally coming to an end. And uh, yeah, feeling feeling almost wistful, mate. I think it's probably the best way to put it. Very nice word, mate. Very nice word, Steve. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. A house move couldn't deter me from appearing on the Super Bowl special. Um, we started this this uh, season's pod back in August when we started doing all the previews uh, and we were doing all the divisional previews. And I'm sure if we went back and listened to it all now, we got it all wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but here we are, 10th of February, about to preview the, the big game, the Super Bowl, with two teams that I don't think many people, certainly on one side, nobody would have predicted to be there. Um, but I think it's a, it's quite a rare sort of Super Bowl in terms of the teams that are there, which is always nice. It's nice to have two different teams and to be talking about different players and, 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 and great storylines as well. So, yeah, excited to get into it and excited to watch the big game. Yeah, just yeah. before we kick off, Sean, can we just say a sad goodbye to Steve's wardrobe? So for anyone that's you know, been watching it via videos for so long, you know, the the fantastic view which we would get of Steve's wardrobe every week where he would usually just carefully place that Zach Ertz jersey for everyone to see. It's, it's not going to be there anymore. And I have to admit, um, you know, part of me is gutted. Part of me I is truly got, gutted by that. I would have got them all out and hung them on the wall behind me, but they're all in a box somewhere. My life is boxes at the moment. Well, so. 2022 season summit needs yes. to happen yes. either that or the a green entire. screen or summit I get, because... I get a big like philadelphia mural on the on the on the wall Oof, there we go <laughs> something to look forward to it, it will to do yeah to. yeah we're, we're <laughs> making improvements next year that's one of them yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, fellas, as we talked about next year, let, let's jump ahead of ourselves. We'll come back to the big game because we're going to talk lots about the big game. But obviously, we've said over the last couple of weeks, seemed like a huge coaching hire cycle this year with nine new NFL head coaches being hired. And we finally got a full list, guys. It felt like for the longest time that nobody was being hired. And then all of a sudden, they all came trickling through all together. So let's run through the whole list. Um, so we've got Lovey Smith at the Texans, Dennis Allen at the Saints, Matt Eberflus at the Bears, Nathaniel Hackett at the Broncos, 
Josh McDaniels at the Raiders. And last time I checked, he's still at the Raiders. So it seems like he's committing to it this time around. Kevin O'Connell at the Vikings. Mike McDaniel, the minority hire at the Dolphins. We'll come on to that shortly. Brian Dable at the Giants. And Steve, Doug Pedersen back in the league. I actually think that Doug Pedersen one's probably one of my favourite ones, but there's the nine altogether, mate. Like so, break it down for us. Which ones do you like? Which ones are confusing? And which ones do you think, oh my God, what on earth are you doing there? Doug Pedersen's probably sort of gone under the radar a little bit because he was out of the league last year and it wasn't uh, in in the league in any job at all. I think he took a couple of, you know, consultancy weeks at, at Indianapolis with uh, with his old friend Frank Reich but didn't have a job and I think that's a really good hire from Jacksonville they needed a solid sort of sturdy head on on the field they've, they've had so many years of just mismanagement there um, and he's the guys won a Super Bowl you know and he played quarterback in the NFL like he's got experience um, absolutely would not be surprised if he brings Nick Foles back just as like a <laughs> an experienced sort of second uh, second quarterback um, I like that hire I think it's a good hire for Jacksonville but you know I'm res- reserved to to sort of give them too much praise until they sort out their GM position um, because that is holding them back big time um, and the, uh, you know we won't get into it but they probably should have hired Byron Leftwich but who knows what happened there a um, couple of couple of good hires I liked I liked uh, Hackett going to the Broncos there's obviously that, that raises a lot of questions about who could potentially follow him to the Broncos um, but I think that Broncos team is is a good team they've got a good roster um, and Hackett's obviously done good things with that um, Green Bay offense uh, you know It'd be interesting to see if, let's assume that Rodgers doesn't go to Denver, be interesting to see how he copes without Aaron Rodgers as the sort of, you know, the, the get out of jail free card. Um, I, I dare I say it, it pains me to say it, it really, really pains me to say it, but I think one of the best hires of the cycle is the Giants with Brian Dable. Um, I think that's a really good hire. He seems to be assembling quite a good staff around him. They are in Capel and they've signed some ridiculous free agents, so I don't know how easy they're going to find it over the next couple of years there's got a lot of questions to solve but i think brian dable it surprised me he didn't get a job last year um so uh yeah i think that's probably the best um i'd be josh i'd be interested to see what you think is the some of the worst ones because i've got some ideas well for me i think that the worst one is quite probably lovey smith um at the houston texans you know when you think of some of the names of which they were of which they were linked with at one point and then you just sort of settle for Lovey Smith. It's, I mean, as a te- especially considering, I, I can't even think uh, of the guy that, which they let go. Um, David Cully. So, thank you. Um, David Cully would have been better, surely. No? It just doesn't make sense, does it? Like, why have they fired him to replace him with Lovey Smith? Like Exactly. Like you said last who, week, Sean. It like, was on his staff they... as well. Yeah. yeah. Why did they fire him? So yeah, no, no, no idea what's going on in Texas. In Texas, there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's probably um, pr- probably the worst one, and and it just goes to show as well that the Texans organization continues to get the big calls wrong. You know, I think that that's been a case for a number of years now, and you know, it 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 just doesn't inspire confidence if you're a Texans fan. At all. Um, also, I don't like Josh McDaniels at the Raiders. You know, that's. I, I feel like they've done it for the name rather than anything else. You know, something, you know, Vegas still trying to get a foothold, still trying to be this flashy team, etc. You know, Josh McDaniels, how, how, how long has he been on the circuit in terms of potential head coach? 
you know, for so long, and now he is, and I just don't think it's the right fit at all. So that's another one. In terms of great hire, um, you know, in terms of the ones which have done done the circuits from the analysts, and that everyone's hyping up Mike McDaniel at at the Dolphins. Yeah, I like that one. I like it, but I feel like there's a lot of hype for something of which I'm I'm unsure if the substance is there right away. You know, I think it's one of those where the analysts will be like, "Yeah, no, of course he's great." You know, he's got his head on, head on straight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that the best ones yet to come, though, lads. I think that um, it, there's been a lot of rumours about Kevin O'Connell at the Vikings. Um, you know, I think that that will probably end up being the best one when all is said and done. But obviously, that one's not confirmed yet, so why am I talking about it? Well, you're talking about it, mate, because to be fair, I queued you up and said it had been done, but you are right. It's rumoured to be probably going down after the Oh, Super did you Bowl actually put it in that list? I did, no, I did in put that it, case, I did, then I take I did that, that last 10 yeah. seconds, then all good. I did put it in, yeah. It's, it's likely to happen after the Super Bowl concludes, isn't it? But um, let's circle back, fellas. Mike McDaniel, I said when I was going through the list about the fact that he was hired and he was classed as a minority coach. We can't really talk about this coaching search without talking about the Brian Flores situation and the fact that he's obviously now putting a lawsuit against the league. Um, obviously, big news in terms of the fact that, look, when he when he was let go from the Dolphins, I think it's clear that there was obviously things going on behind the scenes here that, you know, necessarily from the outside looking in as a casual fan, you'd look at his record and you'd say, well, why on earth have they done this? But obviously there was stuff going on in the building. But with that being said, Record has been outstanding. I think everyone that's watched the Dolphins would say that they've played hard for for the coach. You know, they they could have easily been in the conversation for the number one overall pick this year. They started one and seven, and they ended up putting you know an impressive winning streak together, which is a hard thing to do for a team lacking in confidence. So they certainly played for him, um, and it was very much sort of assumed, if you like, that of all the coaches that got fired, he would be one of the first ones to get back into work. It's not to say that he won't land a head coaching job next year, but obviously. Um, we'll wait and see now how this legal stuff plays out. But Steve, I think it's fair to say that yet again, you know, bearing in mind the Lovey Smith one was one that was confirmed after this lawsuit was put forward. The NFL has got a real problem here, whether they want to admit it, whether they want to address it or not. They just, for whatever reason, there just isn't the the proportion of minority candidates getting these opportunities, is there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've only got to look to, you know, a guy like Eric Bieniemy who yet again goes another coaching hiring cycle without getting even a look in for a job. I think he had a a couple of interviews and nothing more than that. Now, the enemy is in a situation where you wonder how he would do without someone like Andy Reid and and Patrick Mahomes and, you know, and that, that sort of talent around him. But, you know, eventually these guys have got to leave you've got they've got to fly the nest and they've got to try out as a head coaching position and the enemy's been in the league long enough they should be getting a look in now and why he why he isn't you know is there more than meets the eye with that i think in the nfl there, there must be and i think it falls down to the owners and how much of a sort of an, an old boys club it is in the nfl and, and that sort of situation that we're we're um we're faced with where you know the the does now is there one? I think there was. There's one with um, uh, Pittsburgh's head coach, head coach, um, and that's it. Uh, obviously now Lovey Smith as well, um, and that's just, that's not a good. That's not that's not enough. Like it's not representative. Um, it sh- it should be more than that. And 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 you know the what some of the stuff that came out from Brian Flores' sort of statement and lawsuit about the Rooney Rule and how you know the the whole text conversation with 
uh, with Bill Belichick and how the Rooney rule is being used as, you know, oh, we've got to tick that box, essentially. We've got to bring him in. We've got to interview him. And that's it. That ticks the box and that's it. That's not good enough. That's that's not good enough. Like, you know, BNME, I'm using BNME as an example because the, the Chiefs have been excellent over the last sort of four or five seasons. They've gone to the Super Bowl twice. They've gone to the AFC Championship game four years in a row. BNME has a, has a, a play in that. He is part of that process of that building. You know, he's not just, it's not just Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. He is there. He is the offensive coordinator. He has, he has involvement in that. And the fact that he's still not got a head coaching job is absolutely beyond me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Josh, here's the million dollar question though. Does Brian Flores ever work as a head coach in the NFL again? Oh, that's an interesting question because then you look back to the only real comparison of which you have now in this sort of space is Colin Kaepernick, um, of which, you know, there's there's no way he's putting on an NFL jersey ever again. And he just sort of got paid off to go into the sunset and that long good night. Um, I, think, I think so. I think that this is probably one of those... It, it, I, I see it that the NFL will accept that there are faults and that changes need to be made. They'll probably end up putting up some sort of hush money um, to, you know, sort of go, yeah, it turns out that they really did screw up. So, you know, here's maybe two years worth of compensation. Brian Flores is a good coach. You know, the NFL above all appreciates talent. And I think that if Flores leaves it at this lawsuit, I think that if I think Kaepernick's... Oh, no, I don't even really want to go into that. Essentially, it's a case of letting things work out in the, you know, through the lawsuit, just just letting that happen, accepting what comes their way, or, you know, a case of accepting whatever the ruling is, if it's positive, which I imagine it will be positive for Flores, um, you know, and... Uh, and, and then go on from there. And I imagine that if it goes smoothly in maybe a year or two, he'll come back in because the, the league always needs good coaches. And let's face it, there are teams that do not have good coaches right now, including some of which have just been hired. So, yeah. you know. I think just quickly to come back on it, what I would say as well is that I think there's definitely no smoke without fire. I think Flores has, has obviously got something and the fact that he's staking his entire career and reputation on the line shows that he's confident that he's got something. How he can prove that, I don't know. Um, I would say that Flores is uh, is the type of guy that you know could find his way back in you know he got had a good relationship with Bill Belichick you know could he find his way back into the Patriots and get in that way maybe but I see I think what definitely could happen is they needs to relook at the Rooney rule again um, yeah. and I think there could be changes around that I, I, again I don't know what the answer is I, I'm on the side that I definitely want to see changes to the point where we are seeing more minority head coaches hired because absolutely needs to be the case but I could see there being more changes to the rule where it's not just a case of okay we've interviewed that guy that ticks the box on we go we hire the guy we always wanted you know yeah you feel like there was never a way for this rule to work fully for the way it was supposed to you know it it's there because it shows a sign of positive change but if you're going to be you know if you if you're never going to actually do it in the faith of which it's intended then yeah. it's always going to suck so yeah. you know there there has to be a way of trying to get around it but i feel like no matter what you do no matter what you do there's no way of 
there's no way of actually fitting that in because it's almost like saying then you have to go down a certain path which will piss off others as well so there's a middle ground somewhere i just think that if if people aren't going to engage it in good faith and you're never going to get good faith back so and also just one final thing as we put a line under it fair play to bill belichick there is no way he sent that text as a mistake that was definitely (laughs) and uh full props to him for doing it yeah, indeed, mate, indeed. Look, we'll have plenty of time, fellas, as the season draws to a close to probably discuss it in a bit more depth and maybe there'll be some stuff coming out about the lawsuit and, and what findings there are. I'm sure there's plenty of folks that want to jump in and have the say on that as well. But like I said, we'll get into that in due course. We've got a big game to talk about, though, fellas. I'm going to boot you out to the backstage area and I'm going to bring in uh, Bengals fans because they are massively excited for this weekend, I would imagine. I say Bengals fans because certainly one of these guys was a Bengals fan to start the year. I think one was a New England Patriots fan at some point, but we'll get on to that shortly. Adam, Kieran, Adam, firstly, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, obviously, unlike, uh, not really used to this kind of feeling coming up to the big game and normally just cruising through the week, not really putting much prep in and uh yeah this year's a little bit different absolutely mate i imagine you are buzzing kieran how you doing my friend got the borough shades on i can see i've got the borough jersey the borough shades everything's bangles this week man um as an lsu fan who puts that team above all else this is just incredible <laughs> Yeah, it has been an incredible, incredible season. And uh, Josh and Steve were just talking about it. And I thought, oh, oh, let's be honest, fellas. I think they were referring to the Bengals when they said no one probably expected at least one of these teams to be in the game. And I think it's probably safe to say that it was the Bengals they were referring to. Obviously, in a tough division in terms of the AFC North, it's always tough. It's always hard. I know that as much as anybody being a Browns fan. And certainly coming into this season, the Bengals, let's face it, were probably thinking third, fourth in the division was was probably realistically a most people were pitching them, but they certainly ripped that rule book up. So, I mean, Adam, just take us through, mate. Season highlights. I mean, what's been it for you? You know, best games, best players. You know, what was the best front office move? Because it's really blown everybody's expectations, I think, this season. Yeah, mine as well. Um, I did my previews thinking that we'd struggle to get to seven wins. The win total was uh, set at six and a half. We got, obviously, a little bit more than that in the end. 150 to one to start the year. I have nothing on it, which is killing me (laughs) it's one of those as it went through the year i was like i can't put money on because i know what it was at the start and i know i've lost the value but uh yeah just amazing yeah it's it's been a crazy year and i still i still don't think i've really bought in i still don't think i really believe it is i didn't think we'd get past the Titans. didn't think we'd get past the chiefs despite beating the steelers twice beating the ravens twice in a regular season it all just seems seems a little bit weird but at the same time expected it's it's just I mean, the man that uh, Kieran's got on the back of his shirt, it's just, it's all him, really. It's the confidence he brings, it's the swag he brings, it's what he brings to uh, not just the franchise, but to the city. And it's it's everything that he brings and the calmness, everything that he does. And, of course, as uh, as I'm being shown now, Shooter McGavin is uh, Shooter. <laughs> the confidence that that kid brings as well is just absolutely crazy. Yeah, for me, highlight of the season for me was beating the Steelers the first time and beating the Ravens the first time. That Ravens game, I had it on in the background while family were around and I didn't talk much to the family, let's put it that way. It was <laughs> they they actually had players for that game and we destroyed them. Um and that was very satisfying. The Steelers games, obviously, always nice to beat Big Ben, especially when it's the last time we're gonna see him. 
and those games were just outstanding. Uh, and then the first Chiefs game, I keep getting told that the Chiefs weren't trying in the second half, that they were happy with their seeding. They weren't they weren't really fussed and the Bengals just wanted it more and all this. And then they proved it again last week that that wasn't the case. So, yeah, it's been it's just been a really it's been a crazy season. And I'm, I'm actually surprisingly calm for this weekend and more more chilled for this weekend than I have been for the last few, to be honest. I think there's a genuine chance that the Lombardi comes home to Cincinnati. We'll get on to that in a minute in terms of why you think they, they may win it. Kieran, I suppose for you, I mean, you've, you've talked a lot about Joe Burrow, but the other man that, that obviously is a uh, a huge piece of this for you is Jamar Chase. Um, you know, I guess when I asked Adam the question, best front office move, look, so much talk on that draft night was, should it be the tackle? Should it be the wide receiver? I mean, look, let's face it, I don't think anybody's really sort of arguing now that they made the right move at the time there, did they, mate? And what did I tell everyone pre-draft? I said, you've got to take Jamar. The, the chemistry that those two have isn't... That, that's not something that builds up over the course of a... That's because they're friends. They hang out in the off-season, whether they were both on the Bengals or not. These guys are... They're almost best friends. And, and the fact that you're going to have that chemistry on field, you didn't need to do anything to get them in rhythm was just perfect. I was at the Vikings game week one. I was in the end zone when Jamar Chase caught that touchdown. And let me tell you, I have never high-fived Bengals fans as hard as I did that day. <laughs> there was probably 30,000 people yelling, Jamar can't catch, just to take the piss out of everyone who said that preseason. I said, with Bengal captain, we did, we did a pod pre-draft, and we said, if they draft Jamar, the minimum expectation is playoffs. I think we called that pretty well. I'm just going to be honest. I think we called that pretty close. And I said, Jamar probably going to break Ocho Cinco's uh, single season receiving yards record within the first three years. Did it in one. Look, I, when it comes to NFLSU, I know. These guys, <laughs> I know. We run this league. So the fact that we got the best quarterback and the best <coughs> wide receiver to ever come through that school on the same team. Are you mad? Disgusting disgusting things are going to happen over the next 10 years and the Bengals are going to be in the Super Bowl more than three times. I can guarantee you that. If someone's bullish. Someone is bullish. Yeah. <laughs> I, me- I remember week one, you were over there. Me and Adam were drinking at a bar in Birmingham and it's obviously come back to bite me in the arse, but I was actually cheering the winning field goal thinking that, you know, that would be one of the Bengals' seven wins on the season, as Adam referred to. Little did I know that that would come and bite me all those weeks later. But, um, look, there's two sides in this game, obviously, and look, let's face it, the Rams are a quality outfit. They've got plenty of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. They've obviously got a pretty phenomenal defensive line and, and obviously got players at all three levels of the defense haven't they so Adam you said you you know you, you're quietly confident and and you know you think there's a chance that you know that the Bengals may well win it but what what do you fear the most about the Rams in this one yeah I, I was going to try and get through this section without mentioning Aaron Donald but it it's impossible he's the, he's arguably the best player in the league of any position so it's tough to not mention him as a threat it's it's him and Von Miller is the worry obviously Leonard Floyd just steps up he had nine and a half sacks himself this year but it is Aaron Donald on the interior. The interior of the offensive line is where the Bengals struggle. And Aaron Donald is phenomenal. He he really is. It's one of those that if I wasn't a fan, I'd be happy for the Rams to win just for him. But I, obviously, I don't want that this time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's unstoppable and he will get pressure. He will 
bring that. But the the thing is, like, even with the worry of that, the Bengals are used to it. Joe Burrow's used to it. He's had this all year. He's the most sacks QB of the of the season. He knows what the pressure's. He knows the pressure's going to come. He knows where it's coming from, and he's going to hang in there and he'll make his passes. So, as much as it is a threat, it is a worry. It's not. I don't believe it's as big as everyone's making out. It is the main worry. But I don't think it's as huge as everyone's saying. It's it is a big mismatch. I'm definitely not going to deny that. But that that that's the worry. But the rest of the rest of the groupings, I went through everything, and I think the Bengals have the better linebacker group. I think the Bengals have the better all-round secondary. Obviously, the Rams have Jalen Ramsey. He doesn't tend to track players. Uh, he will be on Chase Moore, I think. But who cares? That opens it up for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And Joe Burrow has proven this year that he doesn't just focus in on one player. If Chase wants to be the distraction, he will be that. There was a great clip from the mic's up where um, he mentioned Chase being double teamed and Chase just turned around and went, I know. Um, but he used that to take the man away. And then Higgins got a big, a big catch. And that's what they've done all year. They've got yeah. that much talent on the wide receiver core. They might not have the best wide receiver in the game. Sorry, Kieran. I know you're probably going to be peed off with that one, but I, Cooper Cup is amazing. But um, as a group, the Bengals have got the stronger group. They've got a stronger linebacker group, as I said, secondary. Running back is stronger. I believe the quarterback is stronger. It's a very close one. I will admit that. It's uh, I do quite like Matthew Stafford, so it makes it a little bit tough being a little bit down on him. But I think Burrow is – he's shown this year that he's calm as anything. So as much as Aaron Donald is a threat, I do think this – obviously – the Rams are going to get some sacks, but they'll do what they did against the Raiders. They'll play away from the main the main pressure, and that was Max Crosby and the Raiders. They played everything to the left or to the opposite side that he was on. Obviously, not as easy with interior pressure, but as I say, they, they know it's coming. It's been coming all year. Joe Burrow's dealt with it all year. We'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident. And Kieran, just sort of following on from that, so obviously Adam's focused a lot there on the defensive side of the ball in terms of what the Rams bring there. Offensively, he's just mentioned Cooper Cup there. Um, obviously, OBJ is coming into his own a little bit in the last few weeks. He's certainly, you know, becoming a bigger part of that offense in recent weeks. Um, you know, what, what's the biggest fear from the sort of the Rams on the offensive side of the ball? Honestly, Cam Akers is going to be a problem because the Bengals not been the best team against the run all year. I know you've got guys like Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard who have absolutely killed it, but missing Larry O is big for the, for that run stop. He, he, he was exceptional all year. I mean, DJ Reed has really stepped up and obviously Tyler Shelvin's about, but there's just something different about Larry O. So that run game is, is going to be hard for the Bengals to stop. They will stop it just for the record. This, this is a Bengals win. <laughs> that is happening this weekend. It goes no other way. Trust me, I'm trying to get lit up at a Super Bowl parade midweek. That's that's happening. So the offense the Rams have got is so explosive. You have a super crazy deep threat like OBJ comes out wide receiver. You, he's an absolute beast. Everyone knows that. And then you've got Cooper Cup, kind of looks like Moe's at the office, doesn't have the tash, has the Amish beard. I'm not sure if he knows what a mobile phone is or how to watch tape. But... He's an incredible wide receiver, very, very speedy. You get him in open field, it's almost... Remember what Jamar Chase did to the Chiefs week 15? He can all... Cooper Cup does that type of thing as well. He's incredibly rapid. And the way he operates in open field is absolutely exceptional. So Eli Apple, I know he is probably goaded now to Bengals fans because of his Twitter rampage. Trust me. 
I love that. I love seeing that, even from an Ohio State guy. I love to see it. So he needs to be on his game. Cheeto needs to be on his game. Bates, Bell, anyone else in that secondary needs to be on their game because you've got to stop two wide receiver ones. Now, I know the Rams have to stop three wide receiver ones, but the two that the Rams have are still exceptional and top 10 guys in terms of what OBJ's done since he's got there and how Cooper Cup's been all season. I think Cooper Cup, I don't think anyone argue, could actually be an MVP candidate, which is very rare at the wide receiver position. But this game is going to be all speed. I think this is going to be a very high scoring affair. We've seen what Joe Burrow can do when he gets sacked nine times. I guarantee you he won't get sacked nine times this game. Now I said that he'll get sacked ten, but he is not going to get sacked <laughs> that much this game. They are going to have the ball out just as quick as they can. Every single player, it doesn't matter whether they're getting the ball to P. Ryan, Mixon, Boyd, Higgins, Chase. It doesn't matter where they're getting the ball. They're getting that ball out quickly, and it's going to be a lot of open field play, and I think that's exactly what the Rams are going to do too. I'm going to bring you back a little bit later on, fellas, to get your score predictions. I think I know the way that you're both going. You're both very okay. confident. It's great to see. And I've said all along, and I've said this for the last few weeks, and I do genuinely mean it. For you boys, I hope they win. But like I say, there are two sides in this game. So let's switch it up, fellas. I'm going to kick you boys out, and I'm going to bring in Tim and Steve to talk a little bit of LA Rams. And being honest, that's because we haven't got any Rams fans in the group. Simple as. So we've, we've had to go to our, our boys from the NFC East to fill the void. But Tim, great to see you. Buddy, long time now speak on these podcasts. Indeed. How you doing, Indeed. my friend? Yeah, very well. Very well. Um, yeah, looking. One thing I do want to say before we kind of get into the crux, especially from the round side, is actually really nice to see two different teams in the Super Bowl. It's, not, it's nice not to see the Chiefs. It's nice not to see the Bucks. It's nice not to see Tom Brady. In, you know, no disrespect to those guys. It's just nice. Uh, and obviously, I know Adam is already biting his nails um, and, and whatnot. But it's just nice to see two different teams. I don't know what that means in terms of what it will serve up on on come Sunday night. And you know, sometimes they you know, get might get stage fight, whatever. But it's just it's just nice that different different quarterbacks, different head coaches, different players are, are getting the spotlight, and we learn a bit more about them rather than just the regurgitation of Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady's careers to date and all the rest of it as well. So, um, but yeah, no, looking forward to it. Um, should be like I say, it's nice, it's nice to see something different for a change. No, I completely agree. Steve, let, let's um, let's start talking Rams then in terms of their season and what it's been like. Um, started off pretty well, went through a little bit of a dip and have sort of recaptured things. I mean, in terms of probably, you know, let's, let's do similar to what I did with the guys from the Bengals' point of view in terms of, you know, best moments of the season, best moves of the season. I suppose we have to start really with the quarterback position, don't we? That was the one that got all the headlines in the off-season. This was a move essentially to put the Rams over the top. I suppose you could argue it's one game away from paying off. They've obviously then added the the veterans in season in terms of OBJ and Von Miller, which have certainly added some juice in the uh, in the stretch. Um, so you know, just talk us through the Rams season, mate. What uh, what you've made of it? Yeah, I think the, the the sort of the highlight of their season started was before the season even began. Like you said, with the with the trade from Matt Stafford and the Rams have shown in in, in years gone by that they don't. Um, they don't rely so much on the draft and they choose to get established players by trading away draft picks and, and bringing them into the team and have them there and, and, and never picking a first draft pick until the end of time, it would seem. Um, 
you know they haven't picked one since 2016 and and Les Snead has, has made a career out of doing this and it's it, look you know they're in a Super Bowl again so it's something's obviously working they've got Sean McVeigh who's one of the best defensive minds in the game um you know they've got some of the best players in the game guys like Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey um and they've added to that and, and you know a lot of eyebrows were raised when they traded for Matt Stafford but they're in the Super Bowl and Matt Stafford has won you know two playoff games the first time of asking and they're in the Super Bowl and so this trade could only be a win for the Rams no matter how much they gave up it can only be a win and now they've got to go there and, and, and go the distance and um, you know their season was started like you said started well they went seven and one um, and then the wheels fell off a little bit and you know they, they dropped down to seven and four and a lot of people started asking the question of oh is this you know are the Rams faking it are, you know is Matt Stafford really good enough to, to get them all the way have they given up a load for a guy who's who you know you couldn't really properly evaluate after 13 years in Detroit um, you know and and but you know they've turned it round they they put them some big uh, performances against divisional rivals as well um and then they i think you know the low key one of their best um points of the season was was week before last when they finally beat the 49ers at the seventh time of asking over the last few seasons um and i think that sort of gets the monkey off their back and now they can go into the super bowl once again being at the ball game um Sean McVay will know that he's got a quarterback who he can trust a bit more, who can make more plays down the field. You know, we sh- we saw some of the plays that he made to Cooper Cup downfield and, and some of the throws that he's able to make. He's got a much better armory than than Jared Goff had. Um, and it's it's going to be, you know, and their defense is, is you know, the, the pressure that their defense can get is is equally as frightening. So they come, I th- they come into this Super Bowl, I think, a more complete team than they did a couple of years back. Um, it's just, you know, a couple of years back, they, they faced uh, Tom Brady and one of the best to ever do it. And this time it's a different opponent. It's a completely different sort of type of challenge. And it's going to be interesting to see how they how they respond to that and how they overcome that challenge. Hmm. One, thing I, one thing I just want to point out, just flip, kind of flip it on his head a little bit, about saying trading for Matthew Stafford. I think it's worth mentioning they've trade they traded away Jared Goff. You know, I mean, you know, some people would say it's probably a bit too. It was a bit later than it than it perhaps should have been. Obviously, they committed him to a large contract, which was the wrong move anyway. But you know, trading realizing that they needed to trade away Jared Goff because they. You know, and Sean McVay would. You know, it's, it was well known that they he hamstrung the offense a little bit, and you know, Sean McVay had to cater for what his abilities were and what he could do. Uh, you know, in in the realms of that offense, and so and going out, yes, they gave away two first round picks and, and some other bits as well. Um, to 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 acquire Matthew Stafford, you know, me and me and Kieran have had a, a, arguments you know, previously about whether Matthew Stafford is elite. It's quite it's quite hard to tell whether he is elite because of the, the like like Steve mentions, you know, thirteen years in Detroit is enough to bring any man down. Um, but I just think it should be it should be commended. Like you know, you know, we mentioned that you know they've not had a first round pick since 2016. But you know, to go to go out and say, okay, Jared Goff isn't working for us. Let's get rid of him or get move on from him and bring someone else in. Um, and as I say, Matthew Stafford clearly was sufficient enough to get them back to another Super Bowl. So um, yeah, whilst it's it's going to be our Mrs. Matthew Stafford's first Super Bowl, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's, it's, it's it's worth mentioning that you know the, the decision behind okay, let's move on from Jared Goff is um, is, is is another part of that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think I don't actually think the Rams front office get enough praise for some of these moves that they make. I think everybody sort of almost laughs at the fact that they do trade these picks away. I think all they're proving is that there are more than, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say. And, you know, ultimately, 
you know, like I said, that, that trade for Von Miller, that trade for Von Miller at the time was very questionable. Lots of people sort of looked at that and thought, hmm, what are you doing? But I mean, look at the look at the transformation on that defense. It's all of a sudden got some juice off the edge. Aaron Donald's been freed up because Von Miller's getting more attention. You know, Jalen Ramsey's cleaning things up on the back end. You know, he, he, that one trade has made a real significant impact, hasn't it? So I actually think that the um, the um, the Rams front office deserves more credit than it probably does indeed get at times. Let's 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 ask the same question, fellas. Then put your Rams hat on, Steve. If you're looking at this matchup. You know what's what's your biggest concern if you're the Rams? I think the Rams probably opened up as slight favourites. I would guess. I'm sure that the boys will get into it all in the betting podcast in terms of what uh, what the odds makers think. But I certainly think from a record perspective and all of that, the Rams are going to open up slight favourites. But what would they be? What would they be fearing from this Bengals team? I think it's the really obvious answer is to say Burrow and Chase. I know um, Kieran touched on that a lot in their in their side of things that you know they are the sort of the X factor for that Bengals team. But I'm going to approach from a different angle. I think the biggest problem the Rams are going to have to overcome is that Bengal secondary. And I know they discussed that as well because this Bengal secondary is good, and and I potentially agree that they're probably better than the Rams secondary, not by much, but they are. I'm going to throw some stats out at you for you here. Um, when Matt Stafford has a rating of over 100, the Rams are 11 and 0. 11 and 0 this season when he gets over 100 rating. The problem is, is that um, it's and and this uh, offensive line have the fifth lowest pressure allowed in the league. So this season they've allowed the fifth lowest pressures on the quarterback. The problem is, is when they get to the quarterback, that's when Stafford caves. That's when Stafford loses everything. Um, of his, I think he's had 18 interceptions this season. 16 of those interceptions have come when there's been three or less um, pass rushes coming at him. And this is what the Bengals like to do. In the second half last week, their defensive coordinator changed it up and said, do you know what? We're going to go back into eight in coverage. We're only going to rush three. And that worked. That worked a treat against Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I think they're going to do the same. I don't think they'll do it all game because the, the McVeigh is the type of mind that will be scheming against that. It'll be thinking, you know, we've got to find a way to get Stafford to be better against three rushers and having eight in coverage. I think we'll see a lot of running the ball. They're going to have three running backs available this week. Cam Akers is healthy again. Daryl Henderson comes back and they've got Sonny Michelle. So they've got three running backs who can both, all sorry, all three of them can run out, um, catch the ball in the backfield and, and be a pass catcher as well as a uh, as a pass runner as well, sorry, a runner as well. Um, so I think that's where this game is potentially going to be won and lost. It's whether or not Matt Stafford and his offensive line can give him enough time to open up the big routes, the big shots too. You know, we've talked about Cooper Cup. We don't need to go into the superlatives about how good Cooper Cup is. I think if the Rams win the Super Bowl, he will be the MVP, but we'll come on to that in a second. Um, but also what is going under the radar a little bit is how good his supporting cast are, are are playing this season. You know, the OBJ trade has turned out to be quite a, a smart acquisition. I know Josh won't appreciate me telling everyone, but, you know, he has been playing well as a second ride receiver. He's been taking some of the, the pressure off of Cooper Cup and it allows Cup to be one-on-one in a matchups that he's going to win all day. And also Van Jefferson, is, is playing well and is, you know, as a, as a third wide receiver is, is almost as good as you're going to get. And Stafford likes to throw to his tight ends as well. So it, I think this battle is going to be between the Bengals secondary and that passing game with Matt Stafford. If they can rush three and get to him, it'll be interesting to see if Stafford turns the ball over early. Um, and if that happens and they get in his head and they keep his passer rating low, then this could, this could turn into a very good evening for the Bengals. 
Yeah, most definitely could. Tim, I'm going to get your official prediction at the end of the show. But for now, I want you just to become the Rams fan that we don't have in the full 10-yard group. And as the boys in the Bengals side are very confident, if you were a Rams fan and you were oozing confidence, why are the Rams going to win this weekend, mate? Well, the Rams are going to win uh, the defensive line. Uh, is, is going to overpower the offensive line. The Bengals. They're going to get home. Um, you know, that's that's one of the keys. In the article I wrote was the, the main key to this game for me was can the can the Rams pass rush get home? Um, so, you know, if you're a Rams fan, you're going to say yes. He, they they are absolutely going to get home, and it's not going to be just Aaron Donald. And if I'm Sean McVay, I'm going to be trying to look at doing something, doing some stunts off of Aaron Donald's, you know, double teams and you know, get people in and around him and hit Aaron Donald tied up, and then someone coming around the corner. Uh, to knock Joe Burrow flat on his backside. Um, you know, and then talking of Sean McVay, you know, you're a Rams fan, you're going to take Sean McVay over Zach Taylor all day long. You know, Zach Taylor's had his fair share of criticism in his first couple of seasons. All right, yep, they're at the Super Bowl, fair play to him. Um, but yeah, I, I think you you also have um I don't know. I think playing in a home stadium, let's not forget the, the Rams are playing in their home stadium after after not having an NFL team play in their home stadium for however many years the NFL has been going on, 50, whatever. Um it's now two and two seasons. So I know the, the joke is that Los Angeles don't have many fans and it's going to obviously Super Bowls are more corporate fan based, you know, people that have the most money in their in their pockets. But, you know, home comforts, Bengals are officially the home team, but, you know, the Rams have played in that in that stadium eight, nine times this this season. So, uh, again, things will be slightly more familiar to them, which may help help settle their nerves a little bit more. Uh, and again, you know, the Rams have recently been in a Super Bowl, whereas the Bengals have not been in recently in a Super Bowl. And that's that's uh, that's rich coming from a Dallas Cowboys fan. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. And um, so, again, you know, they'll, they'll use the the embarrassment that they experienced against the Patriots only scoring three points. Um, you know, not too not too many years ago. So again, they have a slight, maybe a bit of experience on on their side. Just quickly to finish off, I would just say that the, the Bengals have an air of I've said this before of this 2017 Eagles about them. They are the underdog team. You know, no one expected them to be here. They've done really well to get here, and actually now people are realizing how good they are. And so the Rams have got to not let the occasion get to them. You know, McVeigh's been here before. A lot of these players have been here before, and last time they couldn't do it. So they have to not let the occasion get to them and not let this underdog team beat them, um, and, and get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. An intriguing matchup in prospect. Fellas, I'm going to kick you guys backstage. You're going to get you back a little bit later on to discuss your score predictions and your, um, you know, possibly your MVP or your thing to watch on Sunday. Um, we'll pick that up with the boys at the end. But Josh, I'm welcoming you back in, my friend. Tim just made an interesting point there about the home field advantage in the stadium. It was something that was talked an awful lot about last year and has kind of gone under the radar this year, whether it does or doesn't make a difference, we will wait and see. But the reason that I've mentioned home field advantage is another one of my seamless transitions, my friend. We're going to go to four games where no one will have the home field advantage, and that is the International Series 2022. And I thought you were the man to talk to about this because you're a, a fan of sport on the continent. And the big news, I suppose, is the fact that Germany is now in the rotation, mate, for 2022 and beyond. Yeah, um, I'm actually wearing a Frankfurt Galaxy shirt as uh, as it stands. So, uh, you know, perfect person to bring in, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's honestly great news. And also, you couldn't have pitched two better cities for it, either in Frankfurt and Munich. Um, so, you know, Munich's Allianz Arena, obviously, one of the largest arenas in the, uh, in the country and on the continent. It is 
quite something where you it, it's a bit like Wembley where you step out onto the terraces and look out over it it's just got that massiveness to it and you can imagine that those games we played around Oktoberfest time I reckon I'll try and put those into like week four week five that's where a lot of Americans will already be over there as well and an Oktoberfest NFL weekend wow that's uh, pretty much all you want there. Um, Frankfurt works more logistically. Frankfurt's airport is obviously one of the biggest hubs um, for American flights in Germany. So in terms of getting teams in and out, it'll be incredibly easy. Uh, the stadium is literally one S-Bahn stop from the uh, from the airport as well. Um, so it's incredibly easy for, for Brits to even do a one-dayer if they wanted to. Um, and I've been to the Deutsche Bank Park more times than I can actually remember. I think it's like 15, 20 times. Uh, it's a very nice place to go to. Um, don't know what it would be like in an American football setting, as I'm more used to it from my Eintracht Frankfurt perspective, but it's definitely a good weekend to go to, to, go to as well. It's, uh, and also you can go to pretty much anywhere from it as well. So in terms of the German side of it, two very nice places. Obviously, it's only one per year. So get yep. your Oktoberfest trip in this time around. And then uh, you're quick in and out the next one. Um, yeah. Good, good I, to see that London's kept three as well. Yeah, I was, I was just going to, I was just going to touch on London. Adam's just put a cheeky message in the chat group to say that he's already priced it up, and I think it's basically only about a hundred pound more on the uh, on the aeroplane across to Germany than it is down to London. So certainly not a bad uh, a bad weekend out, like you say, particularly if it is around Oktoberfest as well. That could be something. Yeah. London, as you, London, as you say, three games, mate. We've pretty much got two te- Well, we have got two teams, I think, confirmed. Now, the Jags are going to come back to Wembley. Good yeah. to see Wembley back on there as much as I love the Tottenham Stadium. I think, obviously, Wembley with that huge capacity and the ease of getting to and from it is obviously nice to see that back on the agenda and hopefully... You know, COVID restrictions depending. Let's hope we're not talking too much about COVID um, when we get round to October of this year. But obviously, if that's uh, hopefully on the sort of back burner, we can get back to sort of tailgating and more of the actual events in and around the games. And then two at Tottenham, I believe the Saints are already confirmed to be coming over. So the Saints will play one of the games and then the other one, who knows, we will wait and see. So yeah, three for London and one for Mexico, mate. So I think uh, I think a full 10 yards meetup's required, I think, fella. That's what we need. A full 10 yards game down at uh, down at London next year. Down Sounds good. Down at Munich, even better. Yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll get everybody. You, you, know, you know exactly where I'll be uh, trying to get us down towards. Now, uh, Adam, as a little um, as a little note, mate, if it is around Oktoberfest time, for the love of God, book as soon as the dates become known. <laughs> yeah. Munich literally swells to three times its actual capacity around that point, so it's going to be daring if they do try it. Um, but in any case, though, it's fantastic. I think that you're going to see so much more of it as well. The fact that they've opened it up to Germany and Mexico now as a as a rigid thing um, shows that they are prepared to send it wider. Um, I'm pretty sure that that all teams for that week 17 will end up going abroad. Yeah, at oh, one point, I think yeah. I think it will end up being maybe even a couple of week over a couple of weeks where. Yeah. They all go abroad, do two games. Maybe they all have a buy at the end of it or something like that and then uh, come back and do the rest in the States. So um, 
Uh, just had a just had a little uh, a little note here from Steve saying, "Will the Packers finally cross the pond? They're going to have to um, in the next couple of years, at the very least, because they have had to under the rules that everyone agreed to a couple of years back. So, so everyone will be able to actually see their teams play as well, which is going to be great." Yeah, fingers crossed we do get them over. It'll obviously be a really popular choice if they do. Uh, let's just hope we get a little bit better than the games that we had this year. I know that was nobody's fault. Nobody knows what the what the records will be when the games roll around. But, but I've actually forgotten them already. The yeah, yeah, Jags think, beating think... the Dolphins and the Falcons something. Jets. Falcons, Jets, Jets, mate. Falcons. Cole Jets, Pitt yeah. scored a touchdown. That was the one yeah. thing to remember. It wasn't exactly a stellar cast, was it? Let's be honest. But no, great to see the games back. And like you say, certainly three to look forward to next year. Germany in the rotation as well. So the NFL continues to expand its global appeal. Obviously, um, like I said, this weekend is the massive game, isn't it? Worldwide broadcast will bring all the fellas back in to go through actual predictions for the game um, ahead of Sunday, 11.30, I believe, kickoff UK time. If anybody wants to correct me if that's different, but I believe it's 11.30. I'm getting lots of nods, so that's good. I've got that part right at 11:36. least. 11.36. Probably by the, time they actually get, probably the time they actually get round to it. Yeah. So we'll wait and see what happens. By the time they've sang bloody America the Beautiful and the national anthems going on for five minutes and everything else, yeah, it'll probably be a few minutes late. But um, obviously one to look forward to. I know a lot of people are excited about the halftime show as well. can't say it's my cup of tea, but I know a lot of people are excited about it. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens there. But fellas, let's go around you. In um, order. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the Bengals fans on first because there's no point building up the suspense and thinking, will they root against their own team? I think we know which way they're going. But, um, Adam, let's start with yourself. So, score prediction and throw us out something, whether it be your MVP or something you think might happen or whatever the case may be, buddy. Yeah, as much as I'm confident with it, I still went with a close win. I went with 27-24 to the Bengals. Uh, I mean, shooter. Shooter! At the end, uh, he, he's, he's been money all year. I wouldn't be surprised if he is the reason that they win this one. Um, it, it's slightly, slightly off pick. Uh, T Higgins, 100 yards. I think that's probably the, the most outrageous I'm going to go with, just because, as you said, uh, Chase may have a bit of a down day, may take the coverage away. And if he does, then fine, we'll go with T Higgins. Uh, so, yeah, nothing, nothing too... Extravagant, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I think a close win for the Bengals. It, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the game. I, with uh, Kieran saying earlier, it could be it could be very high scoring. It could be 35 points. It could be 70 points. It's one of those. It could go either way. But I'm I'm hoping it's fun, and I'm hoping the Bengals win. Kieran, let's come to you, mate. I'm sure you haven't got them winning by three points. You've probably got them winning every couple of minutes by three points. Knowing you, you're that okay. confident. But come on, what what are you going for, buddy? 31-28 to the Bengals. Ooh. I will caveat that by saying the Bengals will look dog shit in the first half of this game. <laughs> we know how the season's gone. They're going to look bad. Stafford's going to carve up. And then the second half, they're going to come out two free picks, a bag of sacks. Just that's going to hold. Look, they held the Chiefs to three points in the second half. What do you. Twice. That doesn't happen. So that's going to happen. The man, big Bayou. Burrow is going to win MVP, either that or Jamar Chase. That's going to happen. And they're going to raise that trophy. And I don't really drink, but I am going to be so drunk for the next week. I promise <laughs> you that. 
and I'm going to be the most ignorant human being on planet Earth all the way until the season starts again. <laughs> I like how he warns us about that. Like, we need warning. Yeah, like, like we don't already know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Kieran, yeah. Kieran, as a, as a as as an additional <laughs> prediction, mate, half time prediction score because that makes it sound like it's twenty eight nil Rams at half time, and I can get to bed. Uh, Could be. I think at half time it will be twenty one to three to the Rams. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> look at the Chiefs game. Well, look at quite a lot of the Bengals games. To be fair, but yeah, no, that that uh, seems fair to be quite honest. Twenty one three. I was thinking that as you were giving your prediction. And the best part about it is Joe Burr is going to be pissed. Have you seen what this man does when he's angry? Have you not the same as Baker Mayfield? When he makes, when he makes <laughs> well, no, angry. he's a good... No, Burrow's a good quarterback. So <laughs> All right, boys. Let's, let, let's, move this, let's move this podcast. So that's a Steve, let's start the neutrals predictions. What are you going for, buddy? Uh, it's going to be a tight one. Um, I, I don't, this isn't going to be a Broncos-Panthers Super Bowl. I don't think anyone's predicting it to be a blowout either way. Um, Super Bowls generally always are tight because no team ever wants to try too much. No team wants to sort of blow it all away. Um, I, I have to pick the Rams. Um, I think they've got the, the better team overall. I think um, around sort of 34 to 30. Um, uh, interesting uh, stat for you. Let's let's end as I've started the season with my stats all the way through. Um, the Super Bowl record for sacks in one game is three, and it's held by four different players. I think that could be broken on on Sunday night um, by uh, maybe Aaron Donald, maybe someone else if he takes a lot of the double teams. Um, and I think that could potentially be something to watch out for if if that if that Rams defensive line gets moving then Joe Burrow could be in for a long night. But, you know, like they've said, like the guy said, Joe Burrow's had a lot of long games in the NFL this season and he's come out on, on top. So, you know, yeah. I'm certainly not writing them off. And, and I, I really do think this could go either way. And it's funny how when the when the championship games finish on that weekend, you sort of think, oh, well, this is easily going to be the Rams. And then as the game gets closer and closer and closer, you start thinking, actually, no, this is going to be far closer than we, than we all think. And this is going to be a real shootout. But um, I think uh, MVP will be Cooper Cup. Tim, what are you going for, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go against the grain with everyone. I'm going for a something like a 20 to 16 win for the Rams. I think it's going to be a low scorer. I don't think both teams uh, are going to necessarily hit the ground running. And again, it's like the theme of you don't want to lose the game in the first half. And um, I think there will be a, few, a couple of inter- uh, turnovers on on each team. Like, I, I just think the, the defensive lines and uh, the defenses will, will dominate. I know we've got two great. You know, Two really good quarterbacks uh, operating, and you've got you know, st- you've got the stellar cast of Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup and all, all the rest of it. I just think it will be very cagey and conservative to to start with, and I just think it will struggle to get out of that that momentum. So um, yeah, twenty to sixteen. So I suppose yeah, bold predictions. It's going to be a really really low scoring, uh, really low scoring Super Bowl. Sorry everyone if you're tuning in. <laughs> It's it's more high scoring than ten three the last time the Rams yeah, played in it, yeah. mate. So you know yeah, twenty to yeah. fourteen people will take that. Josh, what you got, buddy? So I've wrestled with this back and forth because realistically, I don't care as to who wins at this point. Um, But uh, 27-23 Rams is what I've ended up with. Um, Simply that I I think the same as Kieran in that I think that the Rams will go up quite a bit early. I don't think... I think it would be one of the ones where the Bengals have had to fight back quite a bit for most of their big games. 
I feel like this is the one that breaks the camel's back eventually. Um, I think it's going to be really close and it's going to end up being down to the final drive, um, which usually means that Cincinnati would win it in that sort of situation. But there's sport comes up with all sorts of contradicting poetry. So I'm going to say it comes down to the final drive and then a Rams win, but they could easily go the other way. As to as to any other sort of bold prediction, it might not be all that bold, but a defensive MP, MVP might be bold enough to put it in this and Aaron Donald wins MVP. Um, you know, it, it doesn't sound bold when everyone hypes him up, but, you know, defensive MVP does not happen often. No, it doesn't, mate. You are correct. But I'll start in reverse order. I'm going to give my bold prediction because I don't know if I told you, fellas, my 20 to 1 bet builder landed the other day. I think I've mentioned it a few oh, times. Did you mention it, mate? I did, did mention you? it a few times. So, <laughs> Hadn't so heard here, about that. Here, I'm, I'm glad you did. Here's my uh, here's my bet builder for the weekend. I've got a T Higgins touchdown, a Cooper Cup touchdown, Aaron Donald to record a sack, and a successful two point conversion. Sixteen to one. That's what I'm going for. As so my basically, prediction. you've got sixteen to one on there being a two point conversion. That's yeah. basically the way I've looked at it as well. So, yeah, I think that's pretty decent value for money. And I think in terms of the game, I'm going for a relatively high-scoring one, and I'm going for the Bengals to win it 31-30 with a shooter knocking one through as time expires. Because that just seems, to be the dest- just seems to be the destiny, doesn't it? As Steve said a few times, it feels like the destiny team. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a cracking game. Really looking forward to it. I think the two teams that match up really well to give us an exciting game as well. You know, it's um, it's got everything that you'd want it to have, certainly on paper. Let's hope it does deliver. In terms of on paper, if you haven't done so yet already, go and read Tim's written things to watch for in the Super Bowl. We mentioned it earlier on as we were discussing things, so go and check that out. Sean's also put together a cracking 56 facts about the Super Bowl as we reach Super Bowl 56. That went live today as well, so check that article out on the website. The boys, I believe, tomorrow, fellas, betting podcast, getting some nods. I am indeed, so yeah, they'll be... Much more um, in-depth than my 16-to-1 punt there, so the fellas will get you uh, lined up with all of the... Probably not as good a success rate, though. That's 100% (laughs) success rate right there. (laughs) We keep that quiet, my friend. We keep that quiet. Um, And then, fellas, we'll be back next week, I suppose, to break it all down because the big game will be done, the season will be over, and then we'll turn our attention to the draft guide and we'll start it all again for the uh, the 2022-2023 season. Um, obviously, fellas, if the Bengals win, we'll get you on to bask in all the glory. If they lose and you want to come on and have a rant, then you can do the same as well. But, I was um... going to say, can, can we mandate that at least Kieran has <laughs> to come on if they lose? <laughs> We will do our best. Fellas, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope everyone's looking forward to the Super Bowl. Thanks for all your support throughout the course of the season. Like I said, there's one game left. Let's hope it is a good one for all of the neutrals concerned. We'll be back, like I say, to break it all down next week. Keep everything pearled to full10yards.com for your coverage in between. Enjoy the Super Bowl, folks, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.